Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So last week we were talking about the four R's of reflection and revision and so on, the four R's of uh, learning uh, through case studies and other methods. And we got to one actually through reflection. We got to a really nice story that we wanted to talk about this week. So uh, Jeffrey, do you want to describe what the, the scenario is in general? And then, then I'll, I'll tell the story that got us there. Yeah, and I think what what I like about this story is it it shows something that you and I have seen many times, uh, where you can often end up in, in an agile team where you're negotiating with another party, but the reasons that they're giving for what they want to do don't really make sense. Um, you know, they say you want to do something, you argue for your case, and you're just really not understanding each other. And sometimes you just give in. You're like, okay, that's fine. You know what? We'll do it your way. But you end up doing something, and maybe kind of where the whole team ends up doing something, but they don't really understand why they're doing it. Like, oh, I don't know. This is, you know, we, we've been told that this is what we need to do. So I, I, I guess that's it. Those crazy business people, they said, do this thing. Okay, we're just doing the thing. Yeah, we're doing doing the thing. Um, and I think what we, we notice is like, uh, and this is something that you might get to uh, if you're doing a case, you, you kind of go through your thought process and realize that you come up with, a, oh, actually, internally, I'm asking myself, you know, why do they want to do that? But I look at the dialogue and it turned out, I'm not sure that I, uh, I managed to, to do that. I, I didn't actually manage to ask it. Yeah. yeah and you, you had a particular case about that where uh, with someone, can you tell us that story? Indeed. So I was working with a new client and talking with him about different things that were troubling him and causing him difficulty. And he described exactly this very classic situation. And in his situation, there are some cases where he just gets an order from on high. His organization's a bit larger than the startups that I often work with. And uh, he gets a sort of order from somewhere that says, uh, thou shalt do it this way. And he doesn't have much opportunity to find out more. Uh, or at least he doesn't seize an opportunity, doesn't create an opportunity. It just kind of comes to him as a as a fait accompli. Here's the thing to do. And uh, in other situations, he, he actually is having a dialogue with someone, and that person gives him a reason. And as you say, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, our investors want this. Our investors really? They're making decisions about our architecture. That seems really strange. These are people <laughs> who gave us millions of pounds and are have MBAs. Is, are they really people who understand the the trade offs? If you use blockchain for this particular solution, he he wasn't doing that. But you, you can imagine the sorts of things investors come up with. So he was describing it to me and we weren't doing a formal two column case study, which is one of the techniques we talked about last week, where you actually record what the people said on the right hand side and you record what you thought or were feeling on the left hand side. We weren't actually doing that, but I guarantee if we were, he would have put down on the left hand side, why the heck do you want us to use technology X? Uh, because he certainly was telling me that he was wondering about that <laughs> and was very clear about it. And in multiple situations, it wasn't just one case where he had gotten this feedback. So I said, you know what? I'm going to call you Mr. Why because you're so good at formulating the why. And often what happens, of course, is when this happens the, and people get used to it, they stop even asking. So they've they've stopped formulating this. And he's been in the business a very, very long time since its founding, essentially, and many years. And so but he's not become inured to it. He's not become kind of jaded and, and thought to himself, well, I just take orders around here. I do what people tell me. He still formulates the why. But the problem is the why is trapped in his head and he doesn't ask anybody. So that's why I said, I'm going to call you Mr. Why, because you're so good at coming up with the why. So he's so he's Mr. Why in his head and with you. Because because it, and you've actually heard the whys, mm -hmm. yes, um, and and it sounds like that what what is missing here is this step of of getting those whys out to other people, exactly, and that's the challenging thing for him. 
and that's what we worked on and role played and, and did all the other good techniques for. And 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 that's the thing is becoming Mr. Y is is a good thing. People might uh, see the title of this becoming Mr. Y and think, oh, it doesn't sound sound good. Why do I don't want to be that person? But actually, it's, it's being secretly Mr. Y, being that having that as your internal dialogue, it is 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 not so good. Um, but being known by to the people, that would be a, a real a real win because that means you're you're getting that question out and you can start to get aligned with other people and uh, learn surprising things. Well, it could be that maybe your question why makes people reflect and decide that actually this is not a good idea, but maybe they have a good reason that they've never thought to express because no one's ever asked. Exactly. Or they have uh, uh, some really good reasoning that they can pass on from somebody else or wherever it's coming to from, th from them. And you actually go ask your why question of somebody else. And that would be useful as well. One, one thing I often tell people, and I told Mr. Why this as well, we want to be the opposite of lawyers. Here, here in England, we call them barristers. In, in America, I think you'd call them attorneys. The, the people who go into court, and they're the ones you see in, in court dramas and, and live court TV and so on, they're, they're questioning witnesses in a, in a courtroom. And they are carefully trained never to ask the question, why? And the reason they aren't is because that's a question that can lead you off in all kinds of crazy directions and you might <laughs> learn new things that don't match your carefully prepared case. Why were you in the car with the engine running outside the bank and why did you leave uh, two minutes after the, uh, the bank robbery occurred? And you might get an answer that's something like, well, because I'm an ambulance driver and I got a call that told me to get to the, the ambulance house and, <laughs> and drive an ambulance. And you're like, oh, man, now, now my whole case is falling apart. What you want is control the narrative and, and explain exactly what's happening through your questions, but without asking why. If you're a lawyer, if you're in an agile team, you don't want to be doing that. You want to be finding out why so that you can uh, do, do a better job for the business, explain it to people in your team. You have all these great outcomes that'll come to you if you can understand the reason. And it's even better if it's surprising. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I think that that sort of legalistic type questioning is the model that people often have of what should be happening, that they should be sort of legalistically building a case uh, rather than collaboratively trying to get to answers. And, and I think that could be why people often fall into these sort of communication patterns, because they, they think that the goal here is to win uh, rather than to, to uh, jointly discover. In, in fact, you know, if you think about it, one of the techniques people often say they're using is they say that the devil's advocate, uh, in this case, advocate being a term for lawyer. Mm -hmm. That's why they're not asking why. Exactly. You know, it just made me think of one of my clients who used this really, really effectively. They were wanting to find out whether a feature, well, what they what they got was a request for a feature. And they, they, they said, well, why do you want this feature? And the answer was, well, actually, what we want is just to find out whether anyone will even use it. And so they said, well, this guy Squirtle's been talking to us about some other things we could do. Now that we understand why, why don't we just send a text message to everybody who might use the feature, have them click on a link if they want to use it. The link won't work, but we'll count how many people click it. And they, um, the, the other person said, that sounds nuts. I would never have thought of that. But yeah, that would get us an answer. And, and you say you could do that this afternoon. And the person said, I've already done it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and 80% of the people want the feature. So it, it turned out to be this very surprising outcome that came from asking why. Why do you want this thing? What's, so we can discover. Not because we think anyone will actually want it. We don't know. We want to find out whether people do. Right. So, so it's funny. One thing about this too is this is, I think, a, a really good example of how people can often have this why in their head and and not think about asking it. You can improve your conversations by practicing and getting your whys out, so you can have that conversation with people. But I think there's also a lesson when you're talking, not just when you're listening. 
and that is to know that very often the people you're talking to might be thinking why they internally they might be Mr. Why <laughs> and wondering why are you saying these crazy things? You want us to release every day? What do you mean? So you're nuts. Exactly. Why would you do that? So I think one of the one of the hallmarks of good professionals of all kinds is that um, not only do they have good professional judgment about what to do, but they're good at sharing their judgment and their reasons for doing it and the options they considered. And there's they they put out there, they make the, the reasoning bare so, so that people don't need to ask why. And they say, well, I, you know, I, I, I can see that we had, you know, these three options, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing this wasn't applicable to you. In fact, you were telling me of, of a, an exchange you had with a solicitor um, that, that kind of fit this model. Oh, right. Yeah. So I, I uh, speaking of lawyers, uh, I've just hired a new one and I, I like him, which is surprising to say about a lawyer. They're usually not very popular, um, but he's uh, extremely good at understanding uh, my business and, and what things I might want to do differently as a consultant. And so he uh, uh, offered options that I would not have thought of and explained what the trade-offs were, whereas the previous solicitor I had, had hadn't done that. So uh, just to take a very simple example, multiple times when I've met up with you, Jeffrey, I've said, hey, Jeffrey, can you witness this contract for me because the previous solicitor not being this good reasoning sharing person had given me a contract template that had a witness on it and it's a big pain when you're a solo consultant to get somebody to witness i can't have my wife do it i live in uh, rural back of nowhere that my main neighbors are sheep and they're not good witnesses so um you know I, I don't have a lot of access to people who can witness and so this guy just spontaneously said you know there's an option here in the template you have with it we're improving to not have a witness and here would be the trade-off and I said, great, that sounds wonderful. Sign me up, you know, dra draft it that way. So that was a, a super example of offering the options, which allowed me to ask a why that I had never even thought to ask. And, and I think what's interesting here is that, you know, even there's two parts of this. One is he had, he had a good empathy for what would be useful to you, but he didn't just say, okay, I've, I've dropped the witnessing from it. He didn't just, he didn't just give you the answer. Yep. He, he also explained the trade-off said, well, you know, you could do witness and it has some benefits and you can choose to continue getting those benefits, but you know, that's, that's your choice. So it wasn't just that he was right, but he actually informed you and gave you more options. And I think that's the part that really stood out to me in that story. And is, is the, the lesson of um, something I think we can all take away that we're often talking to people who are this secret Mr. Why, but, but wouldn't think to ask. Uh, especially in areas where we have professional judgment and they don't. So, uh, you know, if we're the, the business people talking to technologists, if we're the salespeople talking to the, to the business, if we're the technologists talking back to the business, different people have different views. And to realize that you have valuable insights, but you also have different experiences and, and then views of options. And to offer that along with your position is, is really important. And the hallmark, in my mind, of a really good professional is that they do this thing where they check that they're aligned on the whys early. Because it turns out if you don't do that, if you don't get aligned on the reasoning for what you're doing, even if people agree on what to do initially, if they're not aligned on why they're doing it, then you're going to end up with some surprising no's at some point. Or maybe you'll start off with yeses that they'll turn into no's because eventually those, uh, those misaligned whys are going to come home to roost. Exactly. Well, uh, obviously, when you said outsourcing, I thought you meant that we were going to hire really cheap people in Remotistan, and here you've hired these expensive contractors. Well, I'm not going to approve the budget. And I've seen that happen multiple times, and, and it's exactly what happens when you haven't 
uh, describe the trade-offs where you've just said, well, here's what I'm going to do. And the other person says, sounds great, but they haven't understood. They may have an internal why they think they've got answered, but they haven't actually discussed it with you. And that can, and that can actually be the worst of all possible scenarios because you think you're aligned, but everyone has their own story. And then later when you discover that you actually had different stories, or even if you maybe you don't discover your different stories, you just say, what the heck is that person doing? And things just completely blow up. If you're lucky, you get to the fact that there are different stories in, in, in time to actually fix things. But so often that's not the case. And uh, that's not, not where we'd like to be. Okay. So uh, if listeners have stories of, of being Mr. Y or Mr. Y's that they've met, if Mr. Y recognizes himself and wants to ask us some questions, um, we're ready for those questions and comments and thoughts from those of you who'd like to try asking why a bit more vigorously, a bit more publicly. And uh, you can get to those to us on troubleshootingagile.com, where you'll find our Twitter address and our email and anything else we can think of. You can uh, get in touch with us there, and we'd sure appreciate that. And of course, we also like it when our listeners subscribe. So uh, in your podcast app of choice, click that subscribe button and you'll hear us every every week, every Wednesday. Sounds great. Well, Jeffrey, I'm looking forward to, to next week and when maybe we'll discover some more uh, hidden whys and uh, looking forward to talking to you then. Uh, me too. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Jeffrey.